Hello, I'm Daniel Sketchler. And I'm Callum Byrne. We've been friends for more than 10 years, sharing lifelong passions such as film and music. But most importantly, football, through the ups and the downs, the celebration and the heartbreak. However, he's a blue nose. And he's a villain. This is the Second City Podcast. Hello, Callum. How are you, mate? Not too bad, Dan. How are you? How are you? Welcome back to the Second City Podcast. It's a normal week yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah, back to normal. Thank you. Um, yeah, we did a special last week on one of our Second City stories on Emil Heskey last week. Um, so massive thank you to everyone who's listened to that. Uh, if you haven't already, please check it out. We go into sort of, it's a series where we go in depth on players and managers that have represented Blues and Villa and sort of their time at both clubs and the legacy they've left and so on. Uh, and, and we had a really interesting look at Emil Heskey last week and his time at Blues and Villa and quite a controversial, divisive time, kind of didn't go down the path a lot of people expected uh, when he joined, certainly when he joined Blues. Um, and we get a bit into like how it affected his international career and so on. Um, so yeah, it's gone down really well, thankfully. Um, we appreciate all the feedback as well. Um, so yeah, please check it out if you haven't already. Absolutely. Um, how's your week been, Dan? You, you've been up to much outside of football, really? Obviously, I know you were at the game at the at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, uh, not that I can really think of. Just a lot of work before Christmas. Um, getting getting some overtime in. Um, yeah, went to the game on Saturday, so that was good. Um, and yeah, no, just the usual, really. Ticking by. Um, I'm sure I'll think of something in a minute, but yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it's been okay. Yeah, it's been okay. Um, how about yourself? Any drama? Uh, I had a few days away last week down oh, yeah. by the down in Hampshire on the coast, which was very nice. It was definitely the last of the good weather of the year, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. it's been dreadful since I got back. Um, and then obviously found time to watch Doctor Who on Saturday. So it's oh, been yeah, a, it's so been yeah. a good few days. So what are we saying in a word? Well, I haven't watched Doctor Who in a long time, but I watched it for this uh these specials um same yeah you're saying you were saying you were a fan of this first one i was a i was a big fan i was a big fan fair enough um i, th- I thought it was good i thought it was good i don't think it was like great or anything but um i, I hope uh, i'll definitely watch next week though i hope it i hope it gets really good um tenant is the man glad to see him back he is. very nostal- very nostalgic um it's a bit of a cheap tactic to bring him back but it's working. I'm all we'll for it, though. <laughs> it's working. We're watching it again, so it's fine. Um, but yes, we, um, so as we say, kind of back to normal this week with the podcast. We're going to, obviously, as always, start with what we're wearing. And then we're going to talk a little bit about, um, so Blues played Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday. Villa played Tottenham away on Sunday. So we'll talk about that. Bit of housekeeping, as usual. Get into some other things going on at both clubs um, away from the games that we've actually played. And then we'll preview the upcoming games for this week. And I think it's a double game week for both clubs. You're back yeah. in Europe. Are you in Europe this week? Yeah, we are Thursday night. Cool. Interesting. Oh, cool. So we'll get into all that. Um, but yeah, as always, we'll start with what we're wearing, um, where we kind of talk about, obviously I'm wearing a Blues fan, I'm wearing a Blues kit. Callum's wearing one of his many Villa shirts. We just talk about uh, our memories from that season, what was going on in our lives at the time and so on, and what we think of the kits looking back and so on. Um, so yeah, do you want to start Callum, should I? Uh, yeah, I'll go first this week. Sure. Do you want to have a Do you want to have a guess at this one? Yeah, sure. so it's a checkered macaron. It's like sort of a 
for anyone listening, Daffabet sponsor. It's an away kit. Yeah, it's almost like a it's... Wickham style, where it's like yeah, four, checkered sort of checkers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, ooh, I've got a rough idea. I'm gonna say fifteen, sixteen. Your relegation season away. No, I'll give you a, a little uh, behind the scenes fact. I don't own any of our kits from that season. As much as I like the away oh. kit, I will not buy it because okay, well. Too many bad memories. Yeah. Um, no, this is 2013-14 oh, away. Oh, wow. Oh, I would have thought. So this would have been. Sorry, yeah. when I was wrong, I would have gone, like, more recent. I would have gone the opposite direction. No, this was, um, I think this would have been our first Macron kit. Um, so the away one. Um uh, this would have been one of Paul Lambert's early seasons. So we would have had, you know, we had a summer of the likes of Bakuna, Luna, Kozak, Okore, Tonev, uh, and the best of all of those names, Jed Steer, who could actually play football, uh, jo- joined us in that summer. Um, a season where we didn't do great. This was very much as we started to decline as a Premier League team. But there were some highlights. We won on the opening day away at Arsenal. We won 3-1. Benteke scored twice. And Antonio Luna scored on debut. The only only time I ever remember him playing for Aston Villa because he was rubbish. And he scored a night. We're defending a corner in the 93rd minute or something. Counter-attack. And he just, of all the people, our new left-back is running through on goal and slots it past Almunia. And we win the game. Um, we also beat West Bromwich Albion at home in a really crazy 4-3 game uh, where uh, we went like 2-0 down, went 4-2 ahead, and then it was just a crazy game, weird weird game, as some of our games against the Baggies always tend to be. Mm. Um, and, of course, one of the worst games I've ever been to was in this season on Boxing Day when we lost 1-0 to Crystal Palace when Dwight Gale scored a 94th-minute winner. It was freezing. It was Awful game of football, absolutely shit. And then we lost in the last <laughs> minute. Fair enough. Where did you finish in the league in the end, roughly? Can you remember? Oh, something like 16th. We were oh, yeah, fighting so... relegation around this sort of time. So um, of we end. stayed up, but it's not saying much, really, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, mm. 15th with 38 points. So, I mean, that's mad because we got relegated with 39 in 2011. That's. That's a disgrace, yeah. frankly. But yes. Yeah. In terms in terms of the actual kit, I actually really like the design. The print on the back was gold letters. I don't know why it was gold, but it looked awesome. Um, mm. So I'm very tempted to get a player on the back of the shirt, but I don't quite know who yet. Very tempted by Vyman, maybe, or a Benteke. Um, but yeah, the actual quality of our Macron shirts does leave a lot to be desired. I mean, it it looks cheap, like the way that the badge is sort of on. You think back to that retro shirt, the uh, 2001 shirt I wore the other week. Oh, like, yeah. You wouldn't think that these are over 10 years apart. And this is the younger one, really. And uh, you can't really tell on the video, but the sponsors on these shirts were really applied in a cheap way. And they all pe- they're all cracked. So it's not peeling, but it's all cracked. And uh, yeah, mm. but... On the face of it, a nice shirt. Fair enough. Uh, what do you think I have gone for this week? It's a blue, obviously, home Triple Eight Sport. Adidas. White sleeve, Adidas, white sleeve cuffs. Yeah, this is obviously one of your Adidas kits. It's fairly recent. And I'm pretty sure I remember this from a Second City derby. 
So I gotta really think here. Um it's either sixteen seventeen or seventeen eighteen. I can't choose which one it is. We'll go with seventeen eighteen, the Sheikh and Doi year. Uh this you were right the first time. This is twenty sixteen, ah. seventeen home. Um yeah, you're very close. Uh, interesting season to look back on. It's been getting a lot of mentions recently. Yeah, there's a lot Another of Zola season, shall we say? No, no, it is yeah, yeah. Zola. It is a Zola season. Was, yeah, this was the Zola season. Yeah, so really mad. Kind of, re- you know, the certain se- certain seasons are quite forgettable, and you can't. They kind of their memory kind of fades away and stuff. Um, this is like a real like this and actually the seventeen eighteen season, in my opinion, a real like signpost seasons, like real. Of the turning points, real like signature moments. Sadly, not for mostly the right reasons, but they are very memorable regardless. Um, so yeah, this was the year we, Gary Rowett started the season, and it start we started really well. Um, there was a lot of optimism. We were kind of pushing for a playoff spot, uh, and then we sacked him in. Which we had new the new owners come in. We had new owners come in in the October. They swiftly got rid of Rowett when we were like sixth or seventh. They brought Zola in, which was just an absolute disaster. And then I think we won something like, I think, well, we won two games under Zola out of about 24 or something. And when he left, we were 21st in the league, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, that went well. Um, and then Harry Redknapp came in. It's kind of just a surreal couple of months of blues where Harry Redknapp came in. His first game was away at Villa, actually. Um, yeah, I was there. Then, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, but we won his last two games and we stayed up. So it's kind of the whole Redknapp thing, obviously, in the end, he became the permanent manager and it didn't really work out. But I think people forget that, you know, it was good for them a few games where he kept us up and so on. So, yeah, a really weird season where like we had a really tight-knit group of players and, you know, like Shea Adams came in, Jukovic's came in. This was the first kit Jukovic's wore. And, you know, like uh, like we were really building towards something. And then when the new owners and Zola came in, we went and signed like a load of players that we just... You know, a lot of them didn't stick around. A lot of them left within about a year, like Kerim Frey, um, Chick Keita, who uh, kind of just... Um, he that was around for, Yeah, he was around for years, but played like about 10 games for us. I'm, I saw him once when I worked in Sainsbury's and he was shopping in there. Um, that's all... Honestly, he had more appearances at Sainsbury's than he did for Blues. <laughs> um, yeah, who else? Um, yeah, just loads... Uh, oh, who's the right back? Uh, Emilio and Sue... Like it was just a disaster. They tried to change the whole playing philosophy like mid season to sort of you know sort of fluid tiki taka style. Uh and it's just a complete disaster when you like good players but not good for that style. Like we had like David Davis and like Stephen Gleason and, and Michael Kiftenbeld in midfield, you know, it wasn't their game at all. Um but we just about stayed up and for that I am, you know. Uh, I'm glad, and at the ending we beat Bristol City away one nil on the last day to stay up. So that was really great. Um, beat Wolves away two one. That was pretty great. Um, we should have beat you. Games I remember. Yeah, we 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 drew you at home one one. It was um, David Davis scored. Gary Gardner scored for Villa. Obviously, Gary Gardner ran the length of the pitch to celebrate with the Villa fans. Yeah, interesting. Um, And we should have won that game. We were a load of good chances at the end. I would definitely, I'd definitely argue that was why we were the better team. But yeah, uh, yeah, and then just you know, we were 2016, so we would have been in at uni still. I was in my, my middle year at uni this year. Uh, just great time, great year. So on a personal level, it was a good time. Um, you know, did a lot of trips and stuff that year. Made a couple of films. Um, 
So yeah, quite a fun time. Even though the football was kind of bad, it's quite a trend actually with the sort of uni era kits. The kits, uh, <laughs> the kits are really nice. I really like the kits. Blues were pretty bad, but I have like fond memories and associate them with kind of good times and stuff. Um, and the kit is wicked. It's like it was an all blue. Like uh, obviously, sometimes we have like the white shorts, but this was like an all blue kit from head to toe. Um, Triple blue. I think. Adi- yeah, and I think Adidas are our best kit manufacturer in our lifetime for sure. So, yeah, 1617 home is this kit. Do you want to take us straight into the matches from this week then, Dan? Because obviously Blues did play first on on the weekend. You played on Saturday against the struggling Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, yes. Uh, in a game I would have, going into it, I would have labelled it as a must win because yes, they're would... dreadful and you need a win. I would agree. I think must win, not in terms of... Um... Oh, we need the points, otherwise, you know, we're going to go down or anything. Like, no, not like that. I mean, just for like keeping for like the atmosphere and the mood in general. You know, playing really. It's an interesting, uh, interesting talking about the Zola season just now because there are so many comparisons to now. Like, obviously, we were doing well and Eustace left, and obviously, Rooney's a big name manager who's come in and trying to play a different style of football. They're very similar seasons up to this point. Um. The good news is I'm delighted to announce that Rooney got his first win quicker than Zola. So we're on, like, Zola was around 10 games. Rooney got it in six. So, you know, so we're on to something. But, yeah, the big thing was that Rooney had a hard... He did have a tough first few games in terms of the fixture list. There were really good teams that he was playing. Sheffield Wednesday are not good. They are... Their owner is absolutely mental. He's been like... Like, what's he been doing? He was asking Not the job. fans for money recently to like keep the club going. And well, like... the, well, they've been they've been protesting the ownership, haven't they? And so he yeah. said, "I'm not going to put any more money into the club. If you want stuff happening, you've got to pay out your pocket." Like, yeah, when yeah. And but... their their ticket prices are like the most expensive in the league as well. Yeah, it's crazy and a, and a shame for a club like Sheffield Wednesday, who are like a big club and um. And they obviously so, had that dramatic promotion last year as well. Yeah, that unreal promotion. So it's a shame in a way to see that all fizzle away. But um, they've only won one game all season up to this point. So obviously for us to go one nil down against them then, just for half-time, uh, there was a real just lack of energy in the stadium, I would say. Um, Shifford Wednesday, by the way, travelled really well, made a great noise all game. But you can just tell a Blues, just people just... Uh, frustrated by it all at the minute people I think are struggling to get a bit excited about it all and this long-term project with Rooney hopefully long-term project obviously um and Rooney went back to it seemed like more of a 4-2-3-1 and I've been saying I feel like sometimes we just don't play our best players and I find that quite strange because it's all about trying to work it into a system and so on and in my opinion, we need to just get, oh, I was saying on here the other week, we need to just get through this rough patch at the minute, just play your best player, get it working. And for the most part, he did do that. Like, I think uh, Dembele was back in, Miyoshi started, Jay Stansfield started, um, Christian Bielik was back in, um, Led and Buchanan were both back fit and, and firing. So that was really good. So our team is looking, in my opinion, on paper a lot better now. And um, so that, that is a positive. Uh, but we were really poor first half, really didn't get going at all. Sheffield Wednesday should have scored before they did. And then they did score from a rebound off a free kick that we totally fell asleep for. Really basic goal. Um, but the good thing was we equalised almost straight away. Um, Janino Bakuna scored a really good... Well, I'd say it's a really good finish. He's hit it almost into the middle of the goal, but it's a good hit. He's taken a chance. I'd say it was a very good goal. 
yeah, goalie yeah, maybe could have been could have saved it. A, a better goalie would have saved it, but there's a lot of power on that shot, and it's on target. Yeah, it's and it's, it's a clean strike. Um, It'll win you so goal of the month. It will win. It's yes, yeah, stiff competition. Um, but uh, that meant we at least went in at halftime with at least some positivity. I think it probably would have been a bit nasty at halftime if we hadn't if we hadn't equalised. First of all, I'd say Sheffield Wednesday were comfortably better, and apparently Rooney was furious. It was a bit more even second half, but we still weren't great, um, in my opinion. But we did get a late goal, Jordan James, with a late goal. Um, he has been, like, when he's played, I think he's been really good. And you hear a lot about how good he is for Wales, Jordan James. And I think he took his goal really nicely, like, really calmly. And the way he sort of took it around the keeper instead of just hitting it again when he had the chance, to, had the sort of footballing brand to take it around the keeper and put it into an empty net. I'm not normally a fan of doing that, but in this scenario, it made perfect sense. It made... You know, it was a real intelligent decision from a footballer. So, an 81st minute winner. So, we've won. That's the main, that's all that matters. We've won. It wasn't convincing. It wasn't pretty. But at this point, it's just about getting three points on the board. And I think now is where we'll see what, what happens next, I think, is really important. Do we kick on from here and, you know, build on it? Or do we just, was this just a one off, struggled to a win against? the worst team in the league and do we just go back to what we've been from here on out or can we build on this now get the confidence in um obviously i hope that's the case um so yeah it wasn't convincing but the ends justify the means so 2-1 i'll, t- I'll take it i will tell but it's an important three points nonetheless yeah for sure and i think as well um uh, away from sort of the actual performance on the pitch as well great to see the lower cop and Tilton both open for the first. So the Tilton's been open for like a few weeks, but um, the lower cop was also open. So it's the first time pretty much the whole stadium has been open again. So that's been good to see. Um, hopefully they can get some ticket sales up and get fill them up a bit more soon because um, they weren't like completely full. But obviously that kind of goes hand in hand with the performance on the pi- the performances on the pitch. Um, and obviously it's coming up to Christmas and stuff. I understand it's not exactly like uh, you know the easiest for people to just fork out for these things. But um, no, good to see on the club. I, I, I say this every week, right? But uh, the fireworks and stuff, man, they went full hog on it again. <laughs> I was really impressed. I was like, um, no, you know, all the you know the flames going off, loads of fireworks to celebrate. You know, those the players come out. Uh, I don't know. It's very American, but um, it, it's very Americanized. But I'm all for it. I think it's just making an event of it, getting people excited for it, and at least we could back it up with a win. Um, so yeah. Back to winning ways. Hopefully we can build on it from here. I told you a couple of weeks ago, Dan, that as the winter months rolled in, you'd be loving them flame oh, yeah, even big more. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Keeping um, you warm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Shall we get on to um, the Villa then? Because you had a very big result of the weekend. I don't know if I've quite calmed down from it yet. Mm. Um, I was... Uh, I, the entirety of the second half, I was either pacing or stood up or hiding behind the table. Like I found mm. it a really excruciating game to watch. Um, but we got a huge three points, an absolutely mm. huge three points uh, away at Spurs. Um, it's moved us into the top four in the league. Um, two points off top of the league. So we're oh, still in the title race. Bless them. Bless them. Uh, 
all legitimacy um, of this podcast just shattered with that statement. Yeah. There. <laughs> serious football discussion. Look, Leicester did it. So why can't we? Leicester did it with Leonardo Ujoa and Shinji Okazaki up front, mm, amongst a few others. Oh, uh, yeah, Jamie so, Vardy was there as well, to be fair. Yeah, J- <laughs> and Golo Kante were there, but you know. Yeah, true. Um, but no, absolutely huge. And, you know, obviously Tottenham were not full strength by any stretch of the imagination, uh, as Sky Sports love to uh, point out every given opportunity with lists of injuries and suspensions. Um, but in fairness, you know, their back four was made up of four fullbacks. So, you know, they, they were there. And, and uh, you know, from what we've learned from Ange Postacoglu as the Tottenham manager this year is they have their one style of playing and it doesn't matter who's how many players are on the pitch and who is on the pitch, that is how they're playing. Um, maybe a bit stubborn, maybe a bit naive in terms of, you know, you look at the best managers around, which, you know, your Klopp's, your Guardiola's, even your Unai Emery's, they all have their main way of playing, but they're adaptable to situations. Yeah. And I think we saw that at the weekend where Tottenham stuck with their, this is how we're playing. And that for the first half, they were the much better team, really. Um, the way they pressed us, um, we couldn't string more than two, two or three passes together, really. Um, and we definitely really struggled, especially in the early part of the first half, maybe the opening 30 minutes. Um, but we made changes at half time. We took off Musa Diaby. We took off... Um, who else did we take off? Um, Gabby of Bonlohor. Matty Cash. Matty Cash came oh. off. Um, yeah, Matty Cash came off. Musa Diaby came off and we... We switched things around. We got more bodies in the midfield and we were, we were probably the better team in the second half. And it was telling then in the end that we that we managed to get the winning goal. Um, you know, we still stuck to our high line as, as did Spurs. Although I saw something on the Athletic. We've only got, on average, the seventh highest line in the league. So a lot has been made about our high line. That is but... the most athletic article to make that's the class of the athletic would report on obviously um so um but yeah the first half we really struggled we we we've tried it a couple of times i remember we tried it against wolves last year and then we've seen it against burnley and liverpool uh and now spurs this year where we played we still played the 4-4-2 but we're playing matty cash almost as a wing back in that role so you got conza at right back two centre-backs and then Luca Dean at left-back. Uh, Matty Cash sort of operates in this midfield attacking wingy, winger midfielder slash defender role, depending on where we are in the transition. Um, it, and arguably it's worked dish into... It worked well in one game. We'll never really know in the Liverpool game because um, Diego Carlos got injured and we changed the shape. And then it hasn't worked in the other two games and Matty Cash has been subbed at half time in those two games, which was Wolves and Spurs. Um, you know, we all know Matty Cash used to be a winger. He's been very adaptable and he's been a very, very good player and he's having a really good season as well. But I'm not sure this position is quite going to work. Um, I understand the logic behind it, but because we don't actually play a five or three at the back, it's different to like your traditional wing back role where I think he would thrive a little bit more than, than that. Having said that, he was also involved in a few incidents where, uh, you know, 
uh, he fouled Rodrigo Bentancourt. Petulant challenge, yellow card all day long, you know, but it's nothing more than a yellow. But because Bentancourt's got injured with a bruised knee and gone off subs, quite a lot was made of it on the social medias. Um, and Tottenham fans are not happy at all. But it's a bad challenge. It's nothing worse than what we've seen Christian Romero do over the uh, the last couple of years. So, mm. um, but yeah, he, he struggled in that game, and the fan, the fan, the stadium, the fans were were all on his back after that after that challenge. So I I don't know whether that maybe got to him a little bit. You know, there was definitely definitely like misplaced a couple of passes afterwards where he's getting booed and then jeered and um, you know it. I would imagine it it did get in his head a little bit. But that that wasn't the main thing as to why he was subbed at half time. Um, the the only downside from this game, I would say, is obviously Bubakar Kamara did get booked uh, in the first half, which means he's now suspended for Bournemouth. Um, so he's got too many yellow cards, so he'll miss the next game, um, which is a bit annoying because he's been very very. You know, when he has a good game, we have a good game. Is that forgetting that midfield? Sorry, is that forgetting five yellow cards? I think so. It's five or six now. That must be annoying because I don't think we're far off. Like it, it's around now. It like resets or something. So yeah, like... it'd be after what game week eighteen? Game week uh, nineteen. Mm. Yeah. Um. So it's usually around New Year. Um, oh, okay. I'd say the, the the positive with it is though is that he's going to miss Bournemouth and not the two games afterwards, which are Manchester City and Arsenal, which are the two games we definitely need him in. We'll miss him at Bournemouth, and that's not to underestimate Bournemouth because they absolutely thumped us at uh, the Vitality last year. Um, mm. But I think if we was going to miss a game, we can adapt a bit better for Bournemouth than maybe we, we'd need to for Manchester City or an Arsenal. So um, there's a few others on that sort of tightrope. I think McGinn and Louise might be on it. So... Um, We'll see. Yeah, it's kind of around now. We'll start to see, like, as you do pick up suspensions and injuries, can this maintain? You can can you maintain this this run? But yeah, you know, our, our changes helped at half time. Leon Bailey had the, had the impact that he's been having off the bench in the last few weeks, so he might be due a start uh, certainly against Legia, um, maybe against Bournemouth as well. Uh, Yuri Tiedemans was absolutely fantastic when he came off as well. Set up Ollie Watkins for the goal, wonderful goal, just. Pass and move, cut through Tottenham, and it's a fantastic finish from Ollie Watkins, um, who's just having a, a fantastic season for us at the moment. He's just hitting heights that I don't think many people would have thought was possible maybe two years ago, a year ago. Um, and it's just absolutely fantastic to see because he's such a hard-working player off the ball. Um and he just seems like a really nice guy as well. It is his off the ball stuff as well. You know, he's got, I think he, in the Premier League, seven goals and five assists is a really good return at this stage of the season, really. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely great to see. Um, so, yeah, you know, and we held our nerve with the high line, as I said. We caught, I mean, Son scored a hat trick of offside goals. So, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's mad how. We both so we both won two one this week. It's the first time in a while we like Blues and Villa have both won. Yeah, in the same week. It's weird how like how like it can be so different though. Like you're, I'm like, yeah, we won two one, but yeah, and you're like, you know, buzzing like you won two one. You know, it's yeah, just a like <laughs> circumstantial thing. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think for us as well is obviously we're playing a team that are one of the media darlings of this year. They're having a really good season. In fairness, um. 
They are. But They've lost three in a row now, though. Like, it's not. I yeah. I don't think Postacoglu will win Manager of the Month because he shouldn't have won it at least last month, if maybe not the month before as well. But, um, you know, it's a good time to be a Villa fan. Sadly, it is. Sadly, it is. Shall we move on to the old housekeeping section? Yeah, do you have much housekeeping this week down on the blue side? And the main thing really is, so we're recording this on uh, Monday, and tonight is the first of the Blues Open House Forum. So what this actually is, is a quarterly... So I'll read the description for you. Blues Open House is a quarterly open evening for support for supporters who are committed to blues and whose work helps shape the views of blue, of blue noses across the globe. It is one of three initiatives put in supporters front and centre in the new alliance that the football club is building, providing updates on the progress being made against the club's ambitions. And so tonight they say it's going to be a welcoming introduction from Chairman of the Board, Tom Wagner, and Chief Executive Officer, Gary Cook, and then a Q&A with Gary Cook and the leadership team. So, uh, long story short, it's basically yeah, an open house for fans to go and talk to Gary Cook himself and the, P- the powers that be and find out what's actually, you, you know, put their questions directly to him, it seems like. Um so it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. They're streaming it live on Blues TV, so I don't think it will necessarily be like a... It's not necessarily like a closed shop, you know, like just only for 100 or so people. It's good that people can watch it and see what is actually being said. And it's good that the owners are happy for what they're what what they're saying to go out to all the fans. I think that's good to see. And I think it's probably a good time to be doing it as well, to do the first one. Obviously, the new owners have come in with a lot of... A lot of there's a wave of optimism and for the first few months did just couldn't do anything wrong. Just everything was so positive. And obviously this rune the whole thing with Eustace and with Rooney and um the way results have turned now, there's now a bit more criticism on them. And we said this when Rooney came in. We said they've now gone from a position of being completely comfortable to questions are going to be asked now and they're going to be held accountable for things. So I think it's a good time to do it. Let you know, and it's good that there's this communication with the fans straight away. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if anything comes out for it. This part of the housekeeping, it's more just saying keep an eye out. Be really interested to see what comes out from this and what they have to say. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on it. Yeah, we'll certainly pick that up next week and see yeah. if there's any juicy gossip that's come from mm. it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, How about yourself? Any news on your end? I wouldn't say it's really news, but I have you know something that's been bugging away at me for a few weeks and I've been hoping that this would have been resolved by now, but it hasn't been. Um little bugbear. Um so I don't know if I don't know if blues do this at all, but um we have for the last couple of years we've started playing like a lot of Premier League clubs are doing where when they're playing cup competitions they have a cup font on the back of the shirt rather than playing in um the Premier League font when you're playing in you know, in the FA Cup or in our case in Europe, uh, the League Cup, etc. Mm. Um, and for the last few years, we've been able, you've been able to buy the cup font and put it on the back of your shirt on the Villa website. Makes sense. Even though, you know, we've only, we get knocked out of the third round of every single cup. So, you know, <laughs> mm. oh yes, I've got my Carabao Cup patch and, you know, McGinn number seven in the cup font. Wonderful. Um, obviously this year we're in the Europe Conference League. Uh, where we play with a club cup font. Yet, for some reason, you can't buy it in the store. And so mm. 
it's, it's just really bizarre. You'll see people at match day who will have the Conference League patches, which weirdly you can only buy in store at the in-store right. printing. You can't buy it on the online store. But then with the Premier League font on the back, and it's just, for an OCD thing for me, it just really oh, annoys yeah, me. That's what it, no, because, no, yeah. because like the two don't match, and like that would just really annoy me if that was on that was on my shirts. You know, it obviously doesn't annoy other other people because they have it done, and that's fine. But I just don't understand why we're not selling the club. You say that though. You saying it doesn't bother other people that probably just haven't noticed. Um, yeah, maybe. And it's the kind of thing where, yeah, I get what you mean. Like if I'd noticed that, that would probably bug me even though it's such a petty little thing yeah. it probably would yeah and you think the club would be all over because i don't I, can't, I don't even know what the europa conference league font looks like or whatever but i remember when we were in the europa league uh, it would look wildly different to like the championship style one the championship was these big blocky letters with like the gold line in and then the championship ones uh, sorry the europa ones all like the lowercase like small one and stuff i don't know europa league and, and the champions league they had their own fonts for the back but now they don't so the clubs right. can just do whatever they want so right, the club, right i think to play in europe you need to have a club font which is part of the reason why we changed ours as well so i don't know if there's like a supply issue with the fact that we've changed the font to comply with uefa over the summer and we mm. just haven't been able to order the letters or something the letters and numbers for it but it's just really bizarre like mm. you'll find people who do shirt printing online will be able to make them and you can yeah. order them from them and they'll do your shirt printing. But it's a bit weird that, you, you know, I don't mind going and supporting other Villa fans and their businesses, but it's weird that I can't go through the club to do it. It's yeah, you think, you think like any sort of opportunity to bring them. Yeah, in it's, in, it's, it's, it's revenue, over. isn't it? Like yeah. pe- pe- people, 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 you know, are going to, how many conference league patches are going to put on shirts this year? Because I'll certainly mm-hmm. get, get them on there. Um, at yeah. some point so it's just it's just really bizarre and like from a marketing point you know the you know they're doing things like the terrace view and the lower grounds get this stuff right this is the basic stuff yeah very strange i do have to agree yeah i did message the club a couple of weeks ago uh like the support channel on moaning on about Twitter. the font no i was just saying when can i buy it like you know Fair enough. i you know i'm not gonna buy my shirt because it's just yeah, I, I want to be able to buy the shirt and have it pre-printed rather than have to buy the shirt and it you know orders to my house and then I have to go to the shop and get it printed again. Yeah, you know, this is 2023, Dan. It's not 2010 oh, where yeah. you have to get it printed <laughs> in store. Oh, it's those dark days of 2010. I yeah. know. <laughs> but they were like, oh yeah. The, you know, the, to be fair, the people who run like the club shop Twitter account, they they don't know. They don't make those decisions. No, and they're no, like, just keep checking the store. You never know it'll pop up. So. Of course. Cool. Shall we move on then to um, this week's games? Double game week for both of us. Double game week. Yeah. So you yeah. play on Wednesday, don't you? Yeah. We got Blackburn away Wednesday. So I mentioned earlier about how I think it's this is the real test now of what happens the next few games. Um, so yeah, Blackburn away on Wednesday. Blackburn's one of them grounds we just very rarely seem to win at. We lost there last year in the middle of a good run. Um, we seem to, yeah, we seem to lose there most years. I remember one year we won there about 10 years ago and Lee Novak of all people scored like an absolutely like unreal goal. But um oh in fact we had them in was it last year? Yeah, last year we had them in the cup as well. Um but yeah, it's quite rare that we we get anything there. They're sitting 10th in the league at the minute. They had a really good win away at Stoke at the weekend. Um but it's weird that only we're three only three points like, off the playoffs as well. Yeah, and we're only three points behind them. So it shows as much of a what well, feels like a downturn in 
downturn in form for us these last few weeks. The league is still so compressed. Um, but I think it's going to be really tough. Blackburn's just one of them bogey grounds for us. Uh, a draw, I think, would be really good and would be just a bit of momentum. Then going into our next game of the weekend, which is a really big one. Um, and I hope I hope Rooney just keeps playing our strongest team, keep Dembele, keep Miyoshi, keep Stansfield, keep Bielik. I would not be at all against Jordan James getting a start, though. I think he's probably deserving of one. Um, person- personally, I would put Bakuna further up the pitch again. I'd probably drop Burke. I know Rooney seems to like Burke, but I, I, I would put Bakuna further up in a three somewhere with Dembele, Miyoshi and himself, and then I'd have James and, and Bielik deeper as the two. That's what I would maybe look to do. Um, but yeah, that's on Wednesday night. So it's on the red button and on Blues TV if, uh, if anyone wants to watch it. Draw your aways when you're homes. Yeah, bang on. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but you're back in Europe on Thursday. Yes. Yeah, so we got Legia, as I think we mentioned earlier, Legia Warsaw in a big game, but maybe not as big as it could have been a couple of weeks ago. I think it's fair mm-hmm. to say. And um, for both clubs, a draw for both clubs is enough to f- completely guarantee progress to the next round um but as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago the away competitions uh the places are decided uh on points and then head to head not goal difference so obviously we lost to Legia in our first match so uh we only lost by the one goal so we need to win by a two goal margin to basically guarantee topping the group if we win and win by two goals, we will qualify and top the group, and it, which is a very important thing that we need to do uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because it will basically give us... Well, the main reason being it will buy us three games, basically. We won't have to play the two-legged playoff round of 32, um, which will happen in the new year, and where you will play one of those teams that drops down from the Europa League. So you don't want to play that anyway because you'll get a Europa League team, and you don't want to play it because the last thing we need is two more games that we can need, which would be needlessly earned, if that makes sense. Avoidable, um, avoidable, yeah. Uh, and the other reason is as well is because our last group game is away at Mostar uh, in Bosnia. Um, which is like slap bang in the middle of December. And it's just, it's around just after we've played Arsenal and Manchester city, we could avoid with taking our strongest squad of players over there. So if we've guaranteed top in the group, we can go out there, we can play Robin Olsen, we can play Callum Chambers, Leander Dendonka, John Duran, and it won't matter. You know, you know, we, we don't have to, you know, we can give players like Ollie Watkins and Luca Dean and Emmy Martinez like rest and, you know, not risk them of injury and it doesn't matter what happens at Mostar then. So, you know, it's, it is a big game and it is an important game, but just to take a lot of pressure off in a very congested part of the season for us. And this is where we're going to really see the fixture congestion for playing in three, three or four competitions all hit at once. So big game. Legia are going to bring, uh, I think they've been restricted on how many fans they can bring, but a lot of fans are going to travel without tickets. And well, I think they're going to make a lot of noise. I mean, if they're anything like the, the Mostar fans or the RZ fans, or even the Hibs fans, it's going to be a cracking atmosphere. And yeah, I look forward to it. And we need, we need revenge. We need revenge for what happened in Warsaw. What? Two or three months ago. seems ages ago that, that game mm. now, but yeah. Interesting. Um, Very interesting. Do you have a score prediction for it? Yeah, I think we'll win. Uh, we're we're at home, so he was back us at home. Um, yeah. 
I, I, I could, Leggy are a really good team, but I could see us maybe winning 3 0 or a 3 1. I want a clean sheet, though. <laughs> Please, can we have a bloody clean sheet? Interesting. Um, cool. We're then back in action on Saturday. Uh, yeah, Saturday against Rotherham at three o'clock. So this is, for me, the big one of the two because uh, Rotherham are currently third bottom. So between them and Sheffield Wednesday, we'll have played two of the bottom three in within these three games. And yeah. again, we kind of mentioned the must win earlier. This kind of falls in the same category for me. At home, we were saying win your home games, draw your away games. You definitely got to be winning your home games against teams that are that are right down there fighting for their lives. Um, it won't be a walkover. They got a good point against Leeds, I think, on Friday night. Did Rotherham, Rotherham. Um, but they then got pumped by I think it was Watford. They got pumped like five nil the week before that. So they are absolutely there for the taking, but they are capable of pulling a result out of the bag. And I think they'll probably see us, even though we won at the weekend, they'll see us as a team that are in a, a ropey run of form and could be there for the taking themselves. I'll reiterate what I said about the team from before, about the Blackburn game. Um, I'd look, obviously, we haven't played the Blackburn game yet, so we haven't got that context. Um, I suppose one good thing with Ollie Burke is his, his, his physicality. So if he is included, I could imagine it's more for that side of things. So I could understand what Rooney would be trying to do there if he does put him in. I'm not completely against it. Um, but yeah, if we didn't get anything against Blackburn, say we lost there, which if I'm being like my expectations, that will probably be the case. Um, I think if we beat Rotherham at least, and hopefully the performance is a bit more convincing, I'd I'd take that. That's not you know that's workable. We can work with that. Uh, and then you're back in action, and on... of course, actually as well, Dan. Oh, place yeah. your bets because former Aston Villa player Andre Green plays for Rotherham, so get uh, money on him to score at the yep. weekend. Put it on last time we talked about this was um who was it? Who scored against? Was us? it Philogene? Um, no, it was um oh yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah. Sorry. It was Phil- and Joe yeah, Joe Bellingham else. was the other one, wasn't Joe it? Joe Bellingham, yeah, yeah, yeah Joe Bellingham, yeah, yeah it wasn't ex- obviously not ex Villa, but yeah, we have a habit of calling this out. So trust us, sadly, put some money on it. It will happen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yes, and then you're going again on Sunday, your regular day of the season. Yeah, the Sunday two o'clock, not on telly, Classic. away at Bournemouth. Classic. Um, yeah, um, I mean, to be, to be honest, the, the two o'clock game is that Sky Show is like Palace West Ham. And you've got Chelsea Brighton on at the same time do, as well. They do just... this some weeks. I swear they just pick it out of a hat. Really Wolves awesome. Fulham's on telly tonight. Like, I can't yeah, wait to watch that. Yeah. Uh, it might be good, actually, to be fair. It might be. Might be. Um, but they're two teams that can't score. So, um, But yeah, Bournemouth away. Obviously, we did get pumped there last year, 2-0 on the opening day of the season with Stephen Gerrard in charge. Um, we're without Bibakar Kamara, as we mentioned as well. Um, we'll have to see. I, th- I think, you know, obviously our away form hasn't been great this year. Who are just coming off the back of a very good away result, and we did, um, you know, we did win in Alkmaar a couple of weeks ago as well. We did have the defeat to Nottingham Forest in between, but I, th- you know, Bournemouth have found a bit of form in the last couple of weeks. They were really, really struggling, um, but they have improved. They've got a bit better, um, you know, and they're a team that are very, you know, pretty good at home as well. So, um, I think it'll be a closer game than maybe people expect it to be. But I do think we'll pull through, and I think it'll be a very slim margin. It'll either be a one nil or a two one. Um, it just depends whether we can keep that clean sheet that has been evading us. Um, 
I hope we go more with in line with a, the traditional sort of four four two slash four two 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 rather than trying to play Matty Cash in that sort of wing backy midfield role because. I don't think it's needed necessarily at this game unless it's out of necessity with injuries. So um, I'd like us to see, you know, like the usual, like Cash, Conza, Pal Torres and Luca Dean. And then maybe, you know, get you, get a Leon Bailey. I think it's a game where Leon Bailey could, could do well. I think he'd be worthy of a start in that match. So, yeah, we'll see. Confident, but it'll be close. Interesting. Um, yeah, very interesting. Sweet. We'll... Wrap it up there then, I guess, for this week, if that's okay with you, Carl. Yeah, I think we've covered all bases this week as well. And obviously next week will be a bumper week as well, because it's like double yeah. game week after double game week after double game week. So Yeah, and we will react as well to the Blues Forum stuff if anything interesting comes yes. out. We'll talk about that as well, hopefully get some juicy gossip. Um, if not, we won't bother. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know. Uh, if you have enjoyed this week's episode, you can also follow us on Twitter and TikTok. Yeah, that's the handle at Second City Pod. That's at Second City Pod, so at 2ND City Pod. And if you have enjoyed today's episode or any any of our other episodes, subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're on. Give us the five-star reviews. They really help the algorithms out. It means a lot. And, of course, as we said at the top of the show, check out our Second City stories. We've done three of them already. They are the perfect thing to listen to on your daily commute to work. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Wicked Cal, until next time then. Until next time, up the villa. Get on the villa and see you next week, mate.